Bruce chapter 13. I want to begin reading in verse number 5, and then we're going to focus on one verse, and then actually focus on one simple word. Verse 5 says, let your conversation, that is not just your talk, but your manner of life, your deportment, the manner in which you live. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. And our text first, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. One of the stories I read many years ago was the story of George Mueller, and it was said that he kept a motto on his desk. It simply said, and today, and today. Uh, In case you don't know, George Mueller, of course, was a preacher. He was the director of the Ashley Down Orphanage in Bristol, England, and during his ministry, they cared for 10,024 orphans. And, and the tales, the true stories as to how God provided the needs of those kids in that ministry is just beyond belief. The times that he would have them to go in and all be seated at the table to eat when there was nothing to eat. And yet there would be somebody knock at the door and a wagon load of food or something. They never failed to have their needs supplied. And everything he did was without any government assistance whatsoever. And he uh, accepted only unsolicited gifts. That is, he didn't go around, you know, soliciting gifts from churches or individuals. It was all through prayer. He determined that if God couldn't provide their needs through prayer, why well, they, they didn't need it. And that was the approach that he took. And uh, amazingly, God met all of their needs. The wonderful thing about it is that God is changeless. The word for that is immutable, his immutability The fact that God never changes, and that's what our text is telling us here, that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So He opens up three avenues of thought. Notice, for example, yesterday. That speaks about what He did yesterday. And then He says, He says yesterday, uh, today, the same yesterday and today. That speaks about what he does or what he can do now and forever. That speaks about what he will do. And we spend a lot of time talking about all three of those avenues of thought, but I want you to just focus and to think tonight about the word today. And since we're to live one day at a time, there are poems about that, songs about that, one day at a time. And since the Lord tells us that we're to ask for our daily bread, he didn't say ask for your weekly bread or your monthly bread. God designed our life that it is to be lived in compartments of one day each. 
And so when, when we read here that he is the same today as he was in the past, yesterday, and as he will be tomorrow, that ought to be a great encouragement to us. It ought to cause us to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, knowing that he never changes. And so I just want to spend a few minutes talking about that. And so many times whenever we think about Christ and who he is and what he can do, it's simple things. For example, we talk about the Lord being the creator of the world. And uh, we act like when we make that statement that we've said it all without ever really stopping to, to meditate and to think about all that is implied by that. He's the creator of, of, of the universe, of absolutely everything. I mean, one day God just decided to step out on nothing, take a handful of nothing, and make everything out of it. I mean, what a God, and to think about the fact that he hasn't changed. We think about the ways that God is characterized. The Bible says, for example, that God is love. God is love, and he still is. The Bible says that he is light, and he still is. The Bible says he is life, and he still is. The Bible says he is Lord, and he still is. So the point is... His person never changes. Whatever God was, that's what God is, and that's what God will remain. Notice he says here in verse 12, but thou art the same. Thou art the same. So many times, you know, we think about the God of the Old Testament, for example. And we think about the things that he did and the ways that he worked and the things that he required. And then we look at the situation today or throughout New Testament history. And we know, of course, that we don't build temples anymore. We don't offer up sacrifices anymore. You see, God sometimes does things different, but God isn't different. He is the same. His person never changes. And, and uh, we need to find great comfort in knowing that and living in the light of that every day to know that whatever God was, God still is. And, and, and we can sum that up by saying that he is exactly what we need. So many times we think, well, we need healing or we need help for some uh, some particular difficulty in our life or we need finances to pay our bills we need food on the table and we think about our needs but we just need him because if we have him we have everything else Amen. i mean that was the attitude uh, uh, there in the in the orphanage and all of those kids and thinking about how are you going to supply the the needs of 10,024 kids and George Mueller figured well we'll just ask God to do it and God did it and we don't face the same problem I don't know of anyone here that's you know opened an orphanage recently uh, I don't know anybody here that has the same needs that he did, but we have the same God. And if God could do that, then God can do whatever it is we need. So he is the same. His person doesn't change. Not only that, but his power doesn't change. Think back. He's the same, notice, yesterday. That's going to take us all back through history. 
And whenever we look back through history, it's easy to see the greatness of his power, for example. We think about the miracles that he has worked in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Think about the demonstration of his great power. We think about the purity of his life. As I said last week, although he was tempted in all points such as we are, it was yet without sin. And so we see his power to live absolutely perfection. We think about his teachings. We meditate on his miracles and all of these things of, in the past. And it's important that we do that because that enables us to live with whatever we're going through at the present. And then notice he says, notice the word forever. He says here, as we look ahead, we look back, that's in the past, that was yesterday. But now we look ahead to the future, and he says he's the same forever. Boy, whenever you look ahead, I don't know about you, but I, I enjoy looking ahead. I think that helps us deal with what we're going through now whenever we look ahead. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17 and 18, that's exactly what Paul tells us to do. He's just gone through a long list of difficulties that he faced and the struggles that he went through. And he tells us that these light afflictions, think about all of the stuff that we have to face. There's cancer and heart disease, there's Every kind of imaginable difficulty that you can think of, and Paul says all of those are just light afflictions. Well, how could he say something like that? How, how can we call those things light afflictions? Well, they're light afflictions in contrast to the glory that awaits the child of God, you see. And that's what we've got to look at. You know, if we just look at life as it is right now, you might scratch your head and wonder, well, boy, it really doesn't even pay to be a Christian. What's the difference, you know? All, some, of these, some of these heathen out here living better than, than I am, and I'm sick, and they're not, and uh, what good does it do to be a Christian? Well, you need to look at the big picture, and when you look at the big picture, Paul says we're to look at things that are eternal, not the things that are temporal, not these things that are going to pass away. He says, get your focus on those things. And so Jesus Christ, thinking about, thinking about forever, eternity, and what he's going to do encourages us. But the same God that in the past, yesterday, did all of those marvelous things that encourages us. The same God that has given to us these wonderful promises about what heaven is going to be like and, and, and all that he has in store for us. The same God says, and he's the same today. He's the same today. So whatever he did, he can do. And let's face it. Part of our problem is we fret too much about yesterday and we worry too much about tomorrow. That is, you know, what might happen tomorrow. And you'd be surprised how many people that literally have millions of dollars and they have all of the things that the world would consider to be signs of success and they're absolutely miserable because they're 
either fretting about the yesterdays or they're worried about the tomorrows. And that's why Jesus warned us over in Matthew chapter number 6, there in the Sermon on the Mount, and, and the wonderful teaching that we find there where he says, consider, consider the lilies. In other words, look at the flowers and consider the, consider the, the fowl, the birds of the air. And he says, look at nature and take note of how God provides for all of those things. And flyers, they toil not nor spin. And in other words, they're just there. And without any effort on their part, they're able to grow and to flourish all because of what God is able to do. And then he tells them, in light of that fact, in light of what you see God doing in nature, he says, apply that to your own life and don't worry. Don't worry. That's a tall order. You know, just about the time we think we got a handle on it, all of a sudden we get some bad news and all of a sudden here we are worrying and fretting about, you know, something that's gone awry in our life. And he tells us that we're not to be as the Gentiles. In fact, he says in verse 31, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Those are the basic human needs. What you eat, what you drink, clothes for your body, those are the basic needs. And he says, don't take any thought. Don't worry about that. For after all of these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye need all of these things. God's well aware of that. We don't have to inform God in prayer that, Lord, I need this or I need that. That was exactly Mueller's point in providing for the needs of all of those children. God knows and God cares and God is able. And so all we need to do is just trust God. Just ask God to provide the needs. And God did. And then the Lord said, But, in contrast to the Gentiles that seek after all of those things and worry about all of those things, but seek ye first, the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. And then he makes this statement, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. That's exactly what we're talking about. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So here is the Lord assuring us that our needs are going to, to be met. And make no mistake about it, we are a weak people, we are a needy people. Whoever you are, you're weak and you're needy. All of us are. You might think, well, I don't, you know, I don't have any great needs right now. Everything's going my way. Well, you're still needy in the sense that you alone by yourself cannot supply the things that you need. And life can turn on a dime. One visit to the doctor's office, one difficulty in your life, and all of a sudden everything is headed in a different direction and it's all downhill and you don't have a clue what to do. And even if you did, you couldn't do anything about it. But God can. 
God can. And he's telling us, keep our focus on today. We're to forget about tomorrow and focus on seeking notice. First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And it's in doing that that we have the assurance that he's going to supply all of our needs. I've often mentioned Philippians 4.13 where he says, But I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Think about that. You know, that's not just for some some person trying to overcome an addiction. Certainly it applies to a person like that. But it applies to every area of our life. Every child of God. That whatever it is that God requires, God enables us to do through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He's the one that's able to do exceeding, abundant, above all that we could ever even ask or even think So stretch your imagination as far as you can and try to imagine all of the things that God can do and you haven't touched the hem of the garment because it goes far beyond that. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or all that we could even think. So whatever your today brings... And every day is different. Some folks have expressed a desire that they could know the future. One of the things I remember about my grandma, and two things, three things. She always going out to the mailbox every day. She had to be the first one. She lived with us for a while. And she had to be out to the mailbox looking for that big check or something, you know, her dream come true. And the other thing was uh, complaining about her arthritis. I thought to myself, I was a kid, you know, and healthy. And I thought, why did she do that? Nobody could be that miserable. Oh, yeah, they can. I mean, you know, things change after a while. Now, you know, now, now I know. But the other thing, Grandma had this obsession with fortune tellers. She really did, and even tried reading tea leaves and coffee grounds and all of that nonsense. It was sort of like a game, you know, with her and dad and some of the relatives, and it was entertainment for them, and I thought it was crazy, but the fact of the matter is, you don't want to know the future. You really don't. You might think you do. But if God knew that we needed to know the future, anything other than what he's already told us, you know, concerning our inheritance that's to come and all of those things, if we need to know any more than that, God would tell us what the future holds. So whatever your today brings, different from day to day, God's power has never changed. Because his person has never changed. He is the same, so he's enabled to do exactly the same. He can provide whatever we need. He can protect us from every enemy, supply every need. And just thinking about those things ought to put us at great peace. I know as a, as a new Christian, and just for me it was discovering, uh, God didn't know this. I'd never been in church. I'd never read the Bible and discovering all of these promises that God's saying He'll supply all of our needs, I, you know, I, I was kind of worried about 
our needs, especially when I surrendered to preach and I thought, wow, boy, my, my list of needs just increased a hundredfold, you know, overnight. And, and to discover this, listen, sometimes even as older Christians, folks that have been saved 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, whatever it is, you know, the sometimes, even though we know all of this stuff, we stop thinking about it. We stop reflecting upon it. We stop meditating in it. And we find ourselves sometimes reverting back to our behavior of former days. We find ourselves wringing our hands with worry about what might happen. And, and look, all of us find ourselves there at some time or another. And that's when we need to remember these simple things that we're talking about here tonight. That God is the same today as He was yesterday. He's the same that He's going to be in the future 10,000 years from now. He is exactly the same and He has the power to do what He promised. So His promises never change. I love the way Peter put it when he talked about those exceeding great and precious promises. Paul was prone to use superlatives whenever he was talking about the Lord. Because it was like Paul was saying, I just can't find any one word, you know, that graphically will, will explain what I'm trying to say. And I think Peter, Peter is at that place when he says, they're exceeding great and precious promises. And certainly they are beyond our imagination. The great thing about it is over in Romans 4.21 where it tells us there's not one good word of his prophecy that has ever failed. Anything God ever said has come to pass. God has never failed. He cannot lie. And so that tells us that we can depend upon God's promises. You know, a lot of times we, as we get older especially, we think a lot about precious memories. And who doesn't love that old song, Precious Memories, How They Linger? We all like to think about that. But I'll tell you, I'm more concerned about the precious promises than I am the precious memories. Because it's the promises that will get you through the toughest times in your life. Think about all of the promises. He promised, for example, to save us. And you, if you're a Christian, you've experienced that. You claim that promise that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And in faith, you called upon the name of the Lord and God saved you. That was a promise he gave. Talk about eternal security and these folks that get all upset because we believe in the security of the believer. Why wouldn't we? Whenever God gave His promise, and I've oftentimes made a statement that I'm sure some people God's fault, not mine. And, and I, I say that, and it almost scares me to say that sometimes, but I don't know how else to say it. I, all, all I know is I did what God commanded me to do. He commands all men everywhere to repent. I did that. I put my faith, my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If that doesn't get me to heaven, nothing else will. 
And I don't have to worry about it being God's fault because God never fails. God never lies. And so that's why we have what we call the security of the believer. We know we're secure because of God's promises. But not just the promise of salvation. And I'm talking a lot about, you know, back when I was first saved tonight. And boy, it would have been a wonderful thing if the Lord would have said, look, I'm going to save you. I'm going to forgive you of every sin that you've ever committed, any sin you will ever commit. I'm going to write your name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm going to reserve an inheritance for you in heaven. But the bad news is, you know, uh, you're going to have to wait till you get there. You're just going to have to muddle through life, you know, on your own. Uh, it still would have been a wonderful thing to know that the Lord had had saved me and that I had all of that waiting for me. But there was more to it than that. God not only saved me, God satisfied me. That was a part of the promise. That, remember the woman at the well and the Lord said, you drink of this water and what? You'll never thirst again. You'll never thirst again. I, I get troubled by these folks that, you know, that that wonder whether they're saved or not. And uh, like I told one person years and years ago, came to me and said, Brother Stone said, I don't think I'm saved. What do you think? And I said, well, I don't think you are either. Uh, well, if they don't think they are, why would I think they're saved? I, I mean, Jesus not only saves us, he satisfies. He said, I'm the bread of life. You eat of this bread and what? You'll never get hungry again. And, and I can say from experience, since the day that I trusted Christ as my Savior, I've, I've never had a desire to be saved again because there, I never saw any need for it. It doesn't mean I've been perfect. I certainly haven't been perfect. But my salvation isn't based upon how close to perfection I get. It's not based on what I do. It's based on what He did and because His promises never change, I know that He has saved me. He certainly has satisfied me, and I know that He will supply all of my need. Just as He said there in Matthew 6.33, You seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things are going to be added unto you. God supplies our needs. God sustains us during the difficulties of life. You see, the difficulties of life involves more than what you know, the clothes you put on your back and the food on the table and things of that nature. There are a lot of other difficulties that we face and enemies that we face in this world. And only God's power is able to sustain us in those times of need. And boy, there's sometimes, you know, you love God with all of your heart. You're doing your very best to serve Him. But all of a sudden, you're faced with something that just knocks the props out from under you. And you wonder to yourself, how in the world am I going to get through this? I'm certain George Mueller at times wondered about how is God going to provide the needs of all of these children. They're depending on me. You know, I've brought them here. I, I've I promised I'm going to take care of them. And... Uh, and, and, and I don't have it in hand. What am I going to do? And thank God the Lord came through every single time and supplied their needs. 
And if God can take care of 10,024 orphans, he can take care of our eight children and 38, 39, however many grandkids we got, plus the great-grandkids. God can take care of them too, you see. And too many times, you know, we worry about if God's going to take care of us or not. And I can assure you that he will. So the entire message, and I'm almost through, This entire message has been based on what Christ can do. We've talked about what he did yesterday. We talked about what he's going to do, you know, tomorrow out yonder in the future. We've talked about what he's able to do even today. But in light of all of that, we we need to ask ourselves, what are we going to do? We know what he has done. We know what he's going to do. We know what he can do. So in light of that, what are we going to do? Well, there's a verse of Scripture that I think answers that. At least it answers what we ought to do. That's Psalms 90 and verse number 12 where he says, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Take into consideration each and every day. Living in the awareness of the fact that we have less time to live now than we've ever had before. All of us, you know, we're one day closer to the grave, one day closer to heaven, one day closer to our inheritance. We have one less day to do the work of the Lord. And so he says, teach us, Lord, because, boy, do we ever need his help with this. Teach us. You know, we're not going to do it naturally. Teach us to number our days and apply our hearts unto wisdom. That sums up the wisest thing that we can possibly do. And that is for us to take into consideration each and every day and trust God and obey God. And regardless of how many times you've heard all of this before, and believe me, I sat there at home in the recliner this afternoon and I thought to myself about the message tonight. And the one thing about it that bothered me is the fact that I knew that everybody here is going to know everything I'm going to say there's not anything new in this message, not at all. But that's not the point. The point is that so many times we we don't do the things that we know. That is, we we don't keep those things in mind. And that goes back to Hebrews 12 and verse 2, looking unto Jesus. That means to set your gaze upon Him. It's not just a glance It's looking unto him intently and keeping your eyes upon him. And listen, we never outgrow our need to think about these things. When's the last time you just took an an hour or so to go through the Bible and to just think about how wonderful heaven's going to be? You need to do that. Or maybe, maybe instead of that, maybe you've just gone through the. You can think of. 
You say, well, yeah, but I already know that stuff. Yeah, but you're not thinking about that stuff. And that's why so many times, listen, regardless of how old we are, how close we are to the grave, how successful we've been in our Christian life, we never reach the point in this life where we're not liable to fall. It can happen to any of us at any time for us to fall from our faithfulness. And that's why it's so important that we be mindful of today. Here a year or so ago, I preached a message about eternity. Brother Hamlin made me a plaque with eternity written on it. And uh, I've got that sitting up on the bookshelf right there by my desk in, in the office. Eternity. Because I want to think about eternity. Life's not all about now. Well, you know, whenever you think about things like that, George Mueller might have had a good idea whenever he put that little plaque up on his desk, his motto, and today. Because it's today that so often we forget about and uh, it becomes a big hindrance to us. I was sitting there a while ago and I happened to think of an old song No, I'm not going to sing. The old song, Day by Day. Have you ever thought about the words of that? Day by day and with each passing moment. Strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment. I have no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingled toil with peace and rest. That's just the first verse. Day by day, and that's what it's all about, us living one day at a time, day by day, knowing that our God is up to the task, whatever the trial might be. Amen? And He's not going to fail. Let's bow together in prayer. Father in heaven, how we thank You that You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I pray You'll forgive us of the many times that, Lord, that we get distracted by the things of this world, we get distracted to the point that we, we cease to think about all of those exceeding great and precious promises and we begin to worry and to fret and, and to live as though you don't even exist. And so I pray that each and every day that we might uh, keep our focus upon you, that during our difficult times that we might consider you consider that it was with joy that you endured the shame of the cross and god help us to be mindful that that we're totally undeserving of any of your blessings and never never ever have any reason for despair so lord tonight encourage someone here that maybe he's going through a difficult time and i pray that you'll just help them throughout this coming week that they'll be mindful of who you are and what you've done and what you can do each and every day. May they start out 
every morning reminding themselves of those simple little words and today he did it for us yesterday he can do it for us today and may we live in the light of those promises in jesus name amen let's all stand as we sing together tonight if the lord speaking to your heart you come out of my bondage, sorrow, and pride. Jesus, I come. Jesus, I come. Into thy freedom, gladness, and life. Jesus, I come to can't help but feel like maybe there there's some, someone here tonight that maybe they're thinking to themselves well I sure didn't get much out of this message tonight and uh, and I understand but it just might be that a month from now a year from now 10 years from now you'll be standing in the emergency room of the hospital with one of your children or somebody that you love that's critically ill and the Holy Spirit in your hour of need the Holy Spirit will remind you of those little words and today and it will remind you that God is able to meet your need it might be you'll be standing at the graveside there and maybe the one that you love most has been taken from you and you're standing there wondering how in the world am I going to be able to go on without without my dear loved one and the Holy Spirit will take those words and drive them home to your heart and today so this message isn't all all about what you learn it's not all about what you get out of it today but I hope it'll be something that'll stick with you every day from now on and today because he's able let's sing another verse nolan <laughs>